Welcome to the Need More Buffs podcast, the unofficial Lightseekers podcast sponsored by DeliveryCrab.com. DeliveryCrab.com, your number one source for Lightseekers cards and three points of healing. Welcome back, Seekers. This is episode 12 of the Need More Buffs podcast, and I'm your host, Matt Sonnenberg. This week, we have a special guest who I met at PAX Unplugged. At PAX Unplugged, she was actually a part of the Lightseekers demo team, but this was the first time she ever even heard about the game. Since PAX Unplugged, not only has she kept playing the game, but she's been teaching her friends how to play the game, and Lightseekers has even started to infect some of her other hobbies, such as cosplay, which we will definitely be talking about today as well. The show notes for this episode can be found at DeliveryCrab.com slash 012. That's DeliveryCrab.com slash 012. Now, I hope you'll join me in welcoming Sparky Malarkey to the show. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, Sparky. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well myself. So you are a rather unique case compared to the folks I've had on the show so far. I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I, I mean that in the best way possible. Not only are you someone I didn't originally meet through the Online Lightseekers League, which has been a running theme in recent episodes, but you have a few other, dare I say, talents that uh, I, I want yeah, to talk about today. To so l- l- let's get started. I, I, I met you, like I said, not in the Online Lightseekers League, like I did with a bunch of my guests, but actually first met at PAX Unplugged. And just kind of bumped right. into you at the at the Lightseekers booth. You spent a lot of time there as well, I believe. Yes, I did. I was actually working for Cascade Games. Um, they do a lot of uh, hosting of game tournaments. Uh, a lot of the game tournaments that were going on in that section of the uh, convention were mm-hmm. hosted by them. And so when I arrived, they told me that I would be helping out with the Lightseekers demos. <laughs> And I had never even heard of Lightseekers before, so um, I didn't know what to expect. And it turned out to be life-changing, really. It was fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So before we get too far into Lightseekers, let's let's step back a little bit and uh, find out where do you come from in the world of gaming? Uh, do, do you have experience with other TCGs or... Is Lightseekers your first? Do you come from board games? Where, where, where did you get your start? Well, I first started playing, um, let's see, Magic the Gathering pretty later on uh, compared to most people that I talked to. I didn't start playing until, I want to say, 2011 or 2012. Okay. Um, like a lot of kids in my generation, I collected Pokemon cards like it was like the hottest thing. Uh, I never knew how to play the game, but I loved them. (laughs) And uh, all throughout high school, I saw my friends playing Magic. And I didn't know what it was about, but I really loved the artwork and the flavor text at the bottom of the cards. So one day I wake up, grab my brother, and I'm like, hey, Brent, we are going down to a card store and we're going to learn how to play Magic the Gathering. And we did. It was a lot of fun. Um, I found out quickly that I am not really a competitive person when it comes to <laughs> card games. What I really like about card games are um, the lore and the characters and the artwork and the flavor and kind sure. of what makes a card game unique. So I started actually uh, making cosplays for the first time from okay. uh, Magic Gathering. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I was going to say that the, the way you described what you find interesting in card games definitely lends itself well to the cosplay and what what we're getting into eventually here. Um, yeah. So you, you, you kind of touched on it already with Pax Unplugged and how you got into Lightseekers, but did, did you, you, so you didn't have any say uh, in what you were doing when working for Cascade? I guess like they kind of assigned yeah. what you were doing for the day. Exactly. Yeah. They, they have uh, all of the team members and they assign us what we're going to be doing that day. And um, when I first got there, I had never heard of the game and it looked very, it's a very colorful game. And some of the characters, they look really cute. And so I was thinking to myself, Oh, is this like a kid's game? Like a little kid's game? Is this going to be boring? <laughs> Oh man, I hope it, I hope it's fun. At least, you know, I'm going to have to teach this enthusiastically to people. And it turns out to be probably like the funnest card game I've ever played. I love it. It's really phenomenal. And it was a lot of fun to learn this card game and like genuinely fall in love with it and then teach it to people. Yeah, that's always the best. And I, I definitely got that vibe from you while I was there. Is you you really loved it. You weren't just putting on a show for the day. It was it was something yeah. that you enjoyed. Oh, certainly, certainly. So, have you been working for Cascade for a long time, or was this a first time gig for you? Um, I think it was probably like my second time working uh, directly for them. I had gone to um, PAX East. Okay. The year before to do retail work with them. I did some cosplaying while I was there on my time off. And I think they knew me from the work I've done in the past with Wizards of the Coast for um, cosplay and promotional things, <laughs> Okay, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that's something I didn't even realize that you, you do this, I guess, professionally. Is that a thing? With cosplay? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't pay the bills, but I did um, have a couple gigs with uh, Wizards. They sent me to Australia and Japan wow. and San Diego Comic Con. Uh, yeah, it was like <laughs> we'll, once we'll in a lifetime. We'll say no to that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was mostly just um, to show up, um, be in cosplay, and um, help promote whatever set they were um, releasing at the time. So. Sure. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So eh, I I definitely want to dive into that a little bit more now. It's with the cosplay side of things, like, especially when someone hires you like that, do you still make your own stuff or do they provide things for you or how how does that all work? Well, the first time I did it, um, I was really fortunate. They had uh, another cosplayer who had already created a lot of the costumes they wanted us to wear. Mm, okay. So I, I, I felt like I was cheating. All I had to do <laughs> was make like a skirt to finish the costume. Mm -hmm. And um, we, I just showed up and they're like, okay, here's the costume. It's ready to go. So, of course, while I was there, I kept stressing to people who commented on it. Like, I didn't make this. You know, <laughs> this was made by someone else. Um, the second time I made my own costume. Um, the the set that they had released at the time was like um, themed with different horror elements. So you had like vampires and werewolves. And I was a villager with like, you know, tattered clothes, a tricorned hat. It was a very simple costume. Sure. And after that, um, they wanted a zombie. <laughs> so I got really like up to my knees in um, prosthetic latex 
makeup and like fake blood. And it was a lot of fun to really kind of bring that to life. Awesome. Um, but after that, um, I've just been doing cosplay um, for fun, which is actually, I got to say, a lot more enjoyable. I it's fun it, yeah. traveling and getting paid. But when you can do it just for fun, uh, doing, doing exactly what you want to do, that's when it's um, the most enjoyable, I think. So I, I, I believe I've seen from your, your your Twitter feed that you've been working on something Lightseekers related? Yes, I have. I'm very excited about it, actually. <laughs> is that still uh, top secret or is that something you can talk about? Oh, yeah. No, it's certainly not top secret. I've actually um, I've been trying to show the progress of this costume okay. as of making it a lot more than in the past. In the past, I've shown maybe a few photos of um, a part I'm working on and then suddenly the costume's finished. Yeah. But for this uh, costume, I really wanted to show people how I'm making it so that they can see the process. And just so it's a bit more visible because I know Lightseekers is still very new and relatively unknown. Yeah. Um, I want to be one of those first, I guess, voices to really <laughs> show people like how much fun it can be. Yeah, that's what we're uh, all working this for here. Cosplay... Yeah, exactly. Uh, this cosplay is going to be uh, Tenebra, the dread hero. Okay. Uh, really love the look. And um, I just thought it'd be um, challenging. I'm going to have to do some new things I've never done before with costumes, but um, also something that's um, very realistic for me to do. Sure. Yeah. Falls in line with, with what you've done in the past, kind of. Yeah. Um, also, uh, the the guys at Lightseekers have been super helpful. I reached out to them because I couldn't find a good reference image for the character. Mm -hmm. The card is so small and I couldn't see all the details. And when I tried to look online, it was really hard for me to find anything else, but yep. scans of the card. So I uh, reached out to them and um, Chris got me an image from the art department there. <laughs> that is actually like a, a full digital painting of the character. Yeah. Um, shows you a lot more than what you can see on the card. And it was really great to see that kind of support um, as a fan from mm -hmm. the people who actually make the game. Like, I think they're just as excited about it as I am, which is really cool. Yeah, they, they've been super helpful throughout my whole process as well. Like, just getting me any images I need or any information or just clarifying things, whatever the case may be. They, they, they've they always been right there to support their game, and that that's always great to see from a, a fan perspective. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it makes all the difference. In the process of creating a costume like this like where, where do you even start like oh, that's such a great question <laughs> there there's so many different components i mean and it, and it varies from costume to costume i'm sure but like i i i don't have any idea where to begin the process yeah well uh for tenebra the first thing i noticed about her was her horns I have never made um, like prosthetic horns before for okay. any costume. So I knew immediately like that's probably going to be one of the most challenging parts for me. It's something new. And I always love making something new every time I make a costume. Yeah. So I tackled that first and uh, so far so good. It's kind of funny to see when I first uh, put pictures up online, uh, one of my friends, she goes, is that is that paper towel? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it is. It's got to be lightweight, so I'm using all this material, and hopefully the finished product, 
will actually have a different texture and look a lot nicer, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'd be surprised at what you can get away with when it comes to costumes. One thing I've learned, um, one of the costumes I had to make in the past as a character with belt buckle and these sort of um, rounds, um, I don't know what quite to call them. They look like giant rivets, right? Sure. On uh, their chest, chest piece, their chest armor. And I found out that uh, they make googly eyes in really large sizes. They do. Yeah, I've yeah, seen those. Like, yeah. a, like really big googly eyes, like ginormous, like the size of your hand, which is perfect. It's exactly what I needed. So I was able to take that, um, remove the little eye inside and uh, resurface it and paint it and um, mount it onto the armor. Sure. And it works great. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. You, you, you get that. See what you can find. Round bubble shape. Yeah. That that works. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So you, you mentioned something about weight and the weight yeah. of the costume. That, that and I'm sure you get asked this type of stuff all the time. But one, do your costumes tend to be heavy? And two, do they get really hot? It depends. The first one, it depends on what the costume is and what it's made out of. I've had costumes that were literally like they felt like pajamas. Mm-hmm. And then I've had other costumes where you're carrying a big shield around. And at the end of the day, there are muscles in your arm that hurt <laughs> that you didn't even know you had. Mm-hmm. The second question, yes, 100% all the time. They get hot. It doesn't matter what you make them out of, at least in my experience, um, especially if you're wearing a wig. Because oh, if you're yeah. wearing a wig, it's like you're wearing a hat all the time. And yeah. conventions are usually pretty crowded. Uh, humans are really great at generating body heat in <laughs> mass quantities. Especially so when they're all talking <laughs> all day, help. too. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. But despite any discomfort I've ever felt wearing a costume, it's always worth it because I have such a blast. I'm assuming your Light Seekers costume is still under construction, correct? Yes, definitely. Uh, I, I, we we were talking off air, I know, and you said you aren't going to be able to make the pack south. So I'm I, I'm assuming that that it's not going to be ready for that. But do you have like a a, a target date or when you want to some convention or event that you're aiming for to kind of debut this costume? Yeah, I would certainly love to debut it at a convention that has a, a Light Seekers event going on. That mm-hmm. would be ideal. Um, I'm still in the process of looking at this year. And planning out my schedule, I have a couple costumes planned um, on the comic book side of the geek kingdom. But um, <laughs> other than that, I don't really don't really have any exact plans for this Light Seekers cosplay. I just know it's something I really want to do. Um, but yeah, as as soon as I find out uh, when the next Light Seekers event is that I can realistically get to, um, that will be my deadline. <laughs> All right. Uh, j- j- just in case other people are interested. And if you don't mind sharing, what what other events do you have in mind that to attend this year, even if they're not for Light Seekers? Uh, well, I went to C2E2 um, not too long ago, which is in Chicago. Um, it was a blast. Kind of pricey, especially on my own dime, but um, really enjoyed it. If I can't make it to that, there are some local uh, conventions. Um, I live close to the Baltimore, D.C. area. Okay. So um, Awesome Con and um any other comic conventions um the east coast is a lot smaller than um california yeah so it's uh where i lived before 
Um, so it's a lot easier for me to drive longer distances and you can get through like three different states in the time it would take for me to go visit my dad up in Northern California. So yeah, yeah, traveling is not a problem over here. So I think maybe now we'll take some time and kind of dive into your deck that you brought along today. Oh, yes. If you want to just give me a, do you have the list in front of you? Um, I don't have the list in front of me, but I have the deck in front of me, which is <laughs> Fair enough. better, I think. Fair enough. Um, if you if you maybe just want to give me a quick rundown of what's in the deck, I'll obviously have the deck list up on the website in the show notes for anybody else who wants to look at it. But if you just want to give me a quick rundown of the cards that are in there, and then we can break it down a little more. Sure, sure. So my hero is Cassini. Uh, I love her. I just love the art. She <laughs> looks like she's having a blast causing all sorts of destruction, I'm sure. Um, and then it's mostly, let's see, for my my combos, I have three combo attack cards, uh, Planetary Alignment, Solar Wind, and Sunstrike. My other combos, my other two are Buffs, uh, Full Moon, and Stellar Fusion. Okay. In terms of the other cards, it's really heavy on the attack cards. Sure. And um, my... Defend cards. I think all but one are lunar, um, which works out great because a lot of my attack cards um, they trigger from the discard pile, mm-hmm. or they get um, they get boosted, I guess, from the discard pile. Um, and that's one thing I really love about this astral deck: using those combos um, to kind of play off each other. Uh, for example, let me find a good one here: uh, astral priest. Three damage, increase this by three if your last discarded card is lunar. Sure. Um, so I try to I try to get those um, to fire off as much as I can. Let's see, after the defend cards, my buffs, not a whole lot. Um, mostly mage ship, got a chimchu farseer in there, subjugator, and uh, sunhugger. Um, mostly this stuff is all from the um, intro deck for Astral, um, mm-hmm. but I opened up. Uh, some booster packs, got a foil Cassini, which is kind of fun, uh, <laughs> threw her in there, and a couple other cards that I've uh, switched out. I still have some um, unaligned uh, Kreeble cards, uh, sneaky Kreeble, um, for now, the four damage. I just like that it ignores damage-reducing effects, which can be really useful sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It, it, like, the the unaligned cards, in general, they're they're slightly underpowered compared to their like a, a, a colored counterpart but yeah at the same time they they often have another effect such as like ignoring damage reducing effects so it makes it yeah. worth it to have it in, in in your deck sometimes right and especially for now i mean i'm sure i'd like to um continue uh, adjusting this deck once mm-hmm. i get more cards and um I look forward to seeing what it turns into because it's a, as of now, it's a blast to play. Um, I play very casually um, with whoever I can explain the game to. Um, I try to explain it to as many people as possible. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, yeah, I have a, a blast playing this astral deck. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, Cassini seems to be the astral hero of choice at the moment. Whether or not you you chose that knowingly or um, just because you got the foil version, I don't know. But well, uh, yeah, you know, I choice. kind of got a vibe 
Yeah, I kind of got the vibe that she was a pretty good card, um, and I've seen her in other um, deck lists mm-hmm. online, the few that I've taken a look at. Um, I don't know if I'm playing her right, but <laughs> what I try to do is I, I'll use um, my attack cards to get their health down as quickly as I can. Um, it's really great when I can get planetary alignment to fire off. That's a great card. Um, and then when I get them down to three or less, I'll use her discard ability, which they oftentimes aren't thinking about. And that really just kind of cinches it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something that's sitting out there always waiting and think maybe not enough people take advantage of sometimes, but I, I, I can see that being kind of a nice surprise attack. Right. Exactly. They don't really uh, think about it. I always tell whoever I'm up against what her ability is before sure. we start. But by and the time you actually like, use it, they forget about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, it can't be boosted by other effects, unfortunately, but it's still a pretty good because um, a lot of the games I play, um, they're pretty neck and neck. I don't know if it's that way for uh, competitive decks, but it gets pretty close sometimes. And so being able to just quickly use this ability to um, hit them in the face for three is pretty good, I think. Yeah, like you mentioned too, like you you have just been playing amongst friends a lot and typically with a lot of starter decks, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, and like that's kind of where you're coming at from this. It's like that's why everything still feels competitive. It's like, the starter decks are still competitive in and of themselves. And oh, so... yeah. There were so many people um, at PAX Unplugged that mm-hmm. talked to me, uh, telling me that they literally learned how to play the game, went and bought some starter decks, kind of mashed them together, and then entered the tournament. And they still had a lot of fun, and they were really able to like play the game. And they did pretty well, actually, which is really great to hear. I think that's a testament to how well-balanced the game is. That that's that's something I I've loved because that seems to like I I don't have a lot of familiarity with other TCGs but that that seems to be something that surprises people when they hear that oh this deck that you've been playing with that that's a starter pack that that's something you can you can just pick up get all these cards and it's actually worthwhile oh I, yeah I, I I don't understand why other games wouldn't do that why you wouldn't want to make your starter deck at least semi-competitive like that that feel I mean I guess they can get away with it because they've been in the game so long people are still gonna buy their product that's just type of thing but for a new game I think that was that was a great step to get people interested it's like you don't need to buy hundreds of dollars worth of cards to be competitive and have a good time oh exactly i can see um how that is uh very refreshing to people who are familiar with other um tcg and uh very welcoming to people who aren't familiar with tcgs um who just jump into the game um and have fun not realizing how nice it is to have an intro deck that is also very playable. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it it's a very welcome experience. So, do you think you have have you found a favorite card in your deck or even in the game that's not in your deck necessarily? Do do you have a favorite card at this point? Well, uh kind of uh I don't know how competitive it is, 
Mm-hmm. But I really love Bubblefish, if I'm remembering what it's called. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. It's yeah. just, mm-hmm. it's a it's a great card, uh, very memorable art. It's just so cute. It's just like this little fish has got your back. Um, I, that That's the card that probably sticks out to me the most. Yeah, yeah. It, um, it's purely damage reduction, but for for whatever reason, I I like I said maybe it's just good artwork. It's cute. I, I I don't know what it is exactly, but that's one card that seems to stick with everybody. Everybody knows about yeah. the fish. <laughs> exactly. It's it's a very memorable card. Good branding. Good branding. <laughs> um, and in terms of cards I have in my deck, uh, Made Ship is kind of nice um, just to throw okay. out there. Um, I'm sure there are other cards that are uh, faster, more aggressive, do more damage. Hey, but it, this is all about your opinion. It's all good. Yeah. I, I just, I like having that. Um, it always makes my opponent uh, very nervous because they know um, after just a few turns, they're going to be hit with seven, which, um, you know, isn't like earth shattering, but it's definitely, it adds up. If, oh if you yeah. Get, like, no, that's, out there in this know. game i mean seven points can be a fifth of your health if, if you're at max so yeah it's right. from all from one card that's nothing to laugh at any other comments you have about this deck or the game in general well um we've already touched on how um easy it is to pick up and play which i really like mm-hmm. um just i feel like um in other um card games if your opponent has control of the board, so to speak, if they have a lot of really strong cards um, that you can't really get around, yeah, it can be very daunting, and there's really no chance sometimes for you, which, I mean, isn't a whole lot of fun. Uh, there are, of course, there are ways around it, um, and that's where it gets very competitive. Um, it's all about the metagame and um, building um, meticulously building efficient decks, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, I feel like they're not about that. You know, they just want to be able to play a card game and have some fun. And with Light Seekers, at least I get the impression that the board state can change at any time. The rotation of the cards, it's always, they're always uh, rotating, you know, mm-hmm. um, the buffs at least. They're always rotating. And so you never know. Um, what the board will be like in a couple turns. It could seem very daunting one turn, and then next thing you know, you're doing just fine. You've gained a lot of health. Your opponent's down by a lot, um, which makes it very exciting to me. I feel like even when things seem bad, you're never stuck. You never know what's going to uh, come around the corner. That's a very good point, yeah. The the, the swings in Light Seekers can be very drastic, and I, I think that's important in a game where from from what i understand like light seekers not only has a limited uh deck size like the 35 cards seems to be much smaller than an average tcg deck and then limiting to 35 health it ke- keeps all the by putting all these limits on it it allows you to do other things within the game that that create those big swings that you were talking about Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, and one thing I noticed playing with my friends and other people when I was doing demos um, at PAX Unplugged, even if you're losing, especially when you're new to the game, you can still have a lot of fun just playing the game itself. Mm-hmm. Um, my poor my poor brother was my punching bag. <laughs> uh, 
we, we, we played a lot while he was here visiting me for the holidays. And he said, even though I don't win very often, it's still a lot of fun to play because it was always pretty close and the game just seems so balanced and you really feel like it's just equal amounts of fun for for both you and your opponent. Out of curiosity, is, is there a reason you chose Astral as kind of your deck? Yeah, you know, I really just loved um, the interactions that the cards have between um, what you've just discarded and what you're playing now. Also, um, the artwork... I uh, really enjoy a lot of the astral um, characters. Okay, they kind of have a um, sort of a northern American um, native look to them. Sure. And I am um, Diné or Navajo um, from the southwest of uh, the states, and so I feel like uh, that's something really cool to see. You know, yeah, to see these. Um, very uh, native-looking uh, people who are dealing with stuff like airships, you know. Like, that's I've never seen that before. <laughs> it just looks really cool. Um, I love the astronomy element to it. Astronomy is something, and the stars, is something that's very important for the Diné. So to see that um, in this card game, um, is something that I personally like. Always going to be a little bit different connection for everybody, so that's that's good to hear. All right, with that being said, I don't think I have anything else to ask you right now, so we're going to wrap things up here. If people want to get in contact with you, is it, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, I'm always on Twitter all the time, and I love talking about um, any of my interests, comics, card games, cosplay. Um, it's uh, Sparky Malarkey. I also am on YouTube. Um, Sparky Malarkey as well. Thank you once again, Sparky, for being on the show today. And I hope that we get to see you again at the convention soon, perhaps in costume. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for having me on the show, and I hope to see you soon, too. That's about it for episode 12 of Need More Buffs. You can find Sparky's full deck list along with all her contact information in the show notes for this episode. Those are at deliverycrab.com slash 012. I'll be heading out to PAX South this week. If you're there, be sure to stop by and say hello. You should be able to find me at the Lightseekers booth most of the weekend. Be sure to drop me a line on Twitter or Facebook or wherever and let me know that you're going to be there. And hopefully we can meet up sometime. That's all the time we have for this week. I got a few more last minute deliveries to make.